Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It feels good, man. It feels good, right? right. Yo, yo, I'm in the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome back to Small Market Bias, a podcast about the San Antonio Spurs, a team that just keeps losing and losing and losing. And oh my God, please win a game. I've reached the point where uh, I I can't be the straight guy, uh, objective journalist covering the Spurs anymore if they're just going to keep losing basketball games. It's been more than a year of this. Trevor Zitgraf, I've been trying to inspire emotion from guys like you and Bruno Passos on this podcast. Have you reached a point where you're you're tired of this? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I am. I just like I just want like two wins in a row, and they got Bulls, and I don't remember. It's a big. It's up. a it's a tall task at this point. I and I just want two wins in a row, or like four out of ten. <laughs> like I just want them to go four and six in a ten game stretch. Um, like I guess that's and that was kind of what my expectations were this year. Like. They're gonna they're gonna win three or four out of every ten games they play, and like that was acceptable to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like, I'm I'm only halfway joking with my introduction. Like, I look forward to covering this team no matter what. But the 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 losses and the way not not that they're like in bad spirits or anything because they're not. But it's just the general conversation around the Spurs that has become exhausting. Like, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. And very seldom is it anything that's, in my opinion at least, truly relevant to sort of the long-term outlook of the team. But uh, one win, you say two wins, one win cuts so much of that out and you can actually start discussing uh, the 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 things that are going right with this team, like at the same time, talking about the negatives, of course, but it just takes one win for narratives to change, for conversations to change, not completely, but at least, at least for like a day or two. And like, that's all I'm asking for at this at this point. Yes, you want the narratives to or the conversation to at least be able to ping pong uh, from good to a bad at least, and be able to point out. Um, but yeah, or just like I, you know, last night they lost by eight, and I was just like, oh, it's not so bad. No, but they've been losing <laughs> by eight for like a while or somewhere in that range. Like yeah. it's all it's been like these games have been closed for forty minutes or whatever, and then some stretch happens. Uh, they sort of unravel, whether it's turnovers, just flatly missing shots, which has been a huge problem for them this year, uh, missing open shots or, you know, just the defense, uh, craters for a couple of minutes and then the game's over and okay. Look, there's a lot to get into. We're going to talk about, uh, Spurs at Timberwolves from what's today, Thursday. So from Wednesday night. And uh, we're going to get to some mailbag questions. But first, we have to pay the bills. And 
The holiday season is off and rolling. With NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form, BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. Anything from MMA to international soccer, whatever. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we get into the Spurs-related stuff, I figured it was a good time to revisit in-season tournament conversation. Just for a little bit here. We're going to get to the Spurs. Don't, don't worry. Um, but Trevor, being a, uh, a, a an antagonist, a villain, when it comes to the discourse around the in-season tournament uh, so far this season, I, I feel like he's kind of coming around. Just just a little bit. Like, you're you're close to the edge. And so I wanted to at least throw these out there to you. And these are the, um, the, the odds for the winner of the in-season tournament, the Milwaukee bucks plus plus one sixty. that's eight to five odds. Uh, the Lakers are second at plus two ten. the new Orleans Pelicans who have been playing well, who've been playing well, uh, plus three seventy five, and the Indiana Pacers, one of your good vibes teams, I believe, Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus four fifty to win the whole thing. Your thoughts on that grouping? The the four teams that are heading to Vegas for the semifinals and obviously the eventual finals. Uh, what are what are your thoughts there? A, a, well, a pretty fun lineup, actually. Like in I'm, my opinion, at least. For sure, I'm a little surprised the Lakers aren't the favorites because they are the mm. Lakers it's in Vegas, which is like second Lakers home court, basically like it is, uh, it is LA East. Um, uh, well, Milwaukee yeah. man, Dame has been coming on like they're firing yeah. away offensively. Like they're putting up a whole bunch of points. So I kind of get it just given sort of the weaknesses of the Lakers at this point. But, yeah. but uh, I, th- I think you have, I think you're working with something there. I think, um, also, if I were betting, I would put at least a little bit of money on the Pacers because they have so much firepower. And in these single elimination games, that's all you need is a little yep. bit of firepower. And the Lakers, uh, notably, do not have firepower. Um, and I think that'll be, you know, like that's going to be their kryptonite if they do end up losing in this tournament. So, yeah, I'd put a little bit of scratch on the Pacers. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, I agree with the Bucks being the odds on favorite. I guess I was just a little surprised the Lakers weren't there. I mean, you're right. the The whole one and done format is pretty critical when you're looking at the odds here. Like a team like the Pacers, who can gun you out of the building on yeah. any given night, being yeah. plus four fifty, like that feels like a pretty good bet to make. Uh, can, can I give you Matt some um, some some critiques, some suggestions? I have. I would, I would love it. That no, would I, that would have me go from calling the mid, as I call it, the mid tournament to actually calling it the in-season tournament to putting some respect on his name. You so don't I even have to play, ask, man. You don't even have to ask. Just go. I thought pool play was stupid. 
Um, I think pool play, it works in the Olympic. Actually, I don't even totally like it in the Olympics, but I understand why they do it in the Olympics and other international tournaments. Um, so I like, I was just like, after that first night when there was a bunch of close games, I don't know, like I haven't looked at all the, the numbers and everything, but it just kind of felt like it's, this is November, December basketball with, with cool courts, but not, they're not, they weren't cool courts. Okay. Um, well, what, what's, courts. what's the alternative then? Like so what? Here's my alternative. Okay. All right. Make the whole thing single elimination. Uh, the, the one seeds, so which and I think I'd say just make the one seeds, the, um, the conference champions from the year before. Okay. Uh, make them the one seeds. They get the buy because we don't have 32 teams. So you have a 30. So the, uh, number one seeds would have to, um, would get a buy in that first okay. round. Um, I would mix up. I would, you know, like the the two seed in the West faces the 15 seed uh, in the East. Yeah, like just because I think one of my one of my biggest critiques about the pool play was it's just oh cool like the Spurs are playing the Thunder, the Spurs are playing the Kings, the Spurs are, like these these are I, these are just teams we see them play in general. You know, it's, it wasn't like it didn't feel special. It just felt like they were playing teams that they typically play. Um, and I get travel and whatever, but, um, it just didn't feel different enough to me. That was my main critique with pool play. But once we got to the knockout rounds, I was like, oh, this is fun. This, this Mm -hmm. is just what it should be. So you're, Uh, you're, I mean, you're basically like proposing here some semblance of like a March madness thing. Yeah. I kind of like it just and like, so that would be, if I'm doing it right, that's like four games, um, if you get all the way through and then so basically and then you can just kind of you know uh within the brackets uh obviously the two winning teams move on to play each other and then the two teams that lost just play each other and so like that's kind of how you fill out like the the games because they still wanted to be a part of the 82 game schedule yeah it's um i mean it's uh, that format would obviously create a lot more headaches for the nba scheduling committee or whatever the hell they're called uh, it, but it, it, I mean, they figured out a way to do what they've done this season already. Yeah. I don't really put it past them to, I don't have like, if, if, if we don't get like the full 82 game schedule, you know, late summer, whenever it comes out, like, I don't care. Like, right. I don't, I don't mind if they sort of mold the schedule as the season goes along to some right. extent. Um, so yeah. I well, mean, it's I don't... like you're going to have a, I mean, you're still going to get like whatever, 76 of the 82 game schedule figured out, you know, it's right. like not, the, ma- not... the vast majority of it. Yeah. yeah. So my second critique slash suggestion for improvement is to get rid of point differential. Um, I didn't like point differential. I thought um, that Lakers Kings game or Lakers Kings Kings Warriors game specifically. Um, the Warriors almost won that game, but they needed to win by 11 to advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had won that game, them and the Kings would have had the exact same pool play record and the Warriors would have held the head to head over the Kings and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have mattered. Uh, so that's kind of like the point difference. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like it. About it. I think you do. Um, Candace Parker, I, I don't know if she was the first person to say it, but she was on the TNT game and she was like, I think you should just look at regular season standings and have that be a decider, or like just come up with a different way to have a decider. And I know Tatum said he didn't, Jason Tatum said he didn't totally understand point differential, but, um, or if you're going to stretch the pool play out to 
more games if you expanded pool play, then maybe point differential makes a little more sense. But in such a small uh, pool but, of but games, that, I just... But isn't that, like, the point of this? Like, the point of the in-season tournament, like, they want something to matter. Like, they want these games to matter. And if you start to sort of uh, stretch out to these different parameters, like... Mm in division standings or whatever it might be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like those specific games stop mattering as much. And sure. I, I don't, I, I, I understand when like coaches and players get mad at the whole like unwritten rules things of like not pouring it on at the end of games, but like, do the fans really care? I, I know the losing fans care. I guarantee you the winning fans don't like you can look at the whole unwritten rules thing and, and and in general, like when it's not the in-season tournament games, like teams aren't breaking those rules. At least I haven't noticed that they are. So who cares? Like if if this is like you're looking at these tournament games as like go all in, make this thing entertaining, like make these games specifically these games matter. Like once you start branching out and and bringing in different qualifiers that don't uh, necessarily include those games in particular. I think you're kind of losing, uh, losing the edge, losing the the gravitas, losing the energy around those games. And I'm all here for make it. You know, before all of this started, I said go all out, yeah. go crazy with this stuff, have fun with it, make it different. It will be a success just by nature of the fact that you're hyping this stuff up. And that's what's happened. And I think they need to further expand on that. Yeah. I will say this, though. Some of these courts got to go. And the gotta Vegas, go. it's red, whatever, it's go. whatever they've done in Vegas with the blue and red, get it out of here. Yeah. Someone has to. So, there is a way to make these courts cool. There is a way to do it. What they've done this season outside of like, a, a, look, there have been some good ones, but it's like the few bad ones that make it look awful. Yeah. It's 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 like the bad ones ruin it for everyone else. So I don't know. That's where I stand. I, I like I like the idea, the path that you're going down. Um, but I still just believe that these games have to matter. Like everything about these games have to matter in 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 terms of keeping everyone's attention uh pinpointing and they did a good job you know playing these games on tuesday nights and friday nights like making every in-season tournament game on the same night uh, or on the same nights during the course of the regular season and i need to I, I feel like they need to continue down that path of keeping them in a box so to speak and keeping all the stats and the differentials and all that stuff in a box i will also say if we're going to keep pool play Mix East and West, because again, I wanted to feel as different as possible. And so um, I feel like East-West games don't typically matter, especially this early anyway. So that would give them a reason to matter. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, uh, this the semifinals and finals should not be in Vegas. Like the knockout rounds were so fun in part because of how into it the crowds were. And I will mm. take the L on that. The fans cared. Uh <laughs> But like that Indiana game, um, man, like that, that was as fun as I've had watching a game in a while, like seeing how nuts that crowd was going. Yeah. And so now the Pacers reward is to go to Vegas and like, <laughs> I don't know, like 
I saw, I, I can't remember who I saw arguing that like college teams do this all the time. Like they travel at the last minute and like, no, they don't like they travel. They have an idea of where they're going. Like, and, and the Pacers didn't know if they were going to be there or not. I'm just worried that there's just not going to be the excitement. There's not going to be as much excitement in Vegas as there was on these home floors uh, for the knockout rounds. I think that it's pretty safe to say that like, if, you know, if a team like Indiana is playing in Vegas, like they're not going to get the sort of like, there's going to be a huge Lakers crowd there. Yeah. We we already know that. Um, but it that's fair. I, I do think though, before we trudge down that path, let, let's see what it looks like. Sure. Like, let's see how Vegas responds. The Pacers are really fun to watch. And so there is a chance, despite the fact that it's likely to be a heavy, uh, there's likely to be a heavy Lakers contingent there, like that people who are not invested in any one of these particular teams uh, really enjoys watching the Pacers go crazy on offense because that's what they do. They're, They're one of the best. So far, at least, they're one of the best offensive teams we've ever seen, which is kind of crazy. Uh, So, I don't know. Maybe we can hold off for a second, see see what it looks like in Vegas. Although, like, I don't think there's any arguing your point about, like, if these teams do well in the in-season tournament, like, if you granted them home court or something like that, the turnout, the energy, all that stuff that would be behind the team that earned... I guess the higher seed, the home court advantage, whatever you want to say. Uh, but I also get, you know, the NBA wanting to make this sort of a destination thing, like make this whole, this big party in Vegas uh, out of the in-season tournament. I get that too. Let's see how it looks, right? It'll be interesting to see if Vegas gets an expansion team in a few years. Yeah. And the and the tournament's still going. Uh, if it's in its current iteration, if they're they have to find a new place, like a new neutral site to to host, that's going to be interesting. I don't. For, yeah, for I, don't, a, I don't know how much they care about that, but um, if they want to keep it this way, it's probably just going to stay in Vegas. Like, there's going to be sort of an inherent uh, advantage that Las Vegas has because they're they're going to get a team. They're going to get a team. Um, I would I would venture to say that. It's going to be Vegas and Seattle whenever whenever That's the next guess too. two teams are going to come out. So, yeah. All right. Enough about the in-season tournament. A spectacle the Spurs are not a part of by by <laughs> a by a large large margin. Trevor San Antonio has lost 15 games in a row. They brought yeah. in uh Jetty Osman they have they have uh they've brought in jetty osmond to start in place of jeremy sohan as devin vassell returns from his bench roll as they were being careful with his groin injury a uh, little bit of a surprise last night did you have any and and this could be pre-game thoughts this could be post-game thoughts this could be mid-game thoughts did you have any questions or just in general, what was your analysis of that decision? How did it pan out? Uh, how, what do you think the Spurs were thinking in that moment? Uh, 20 games in, which by the way, we've talked about as sort of a benchmark of when 
Pop might be looking to change things up, make alterations, whatever it might have been. What were your general thoughts on the situation? Um, uh, like you, I was surprised. Trey Jones is probably like, what did I do? But, um, I, yeah, I think they just want to get a different look. And I know, um, you know, there's been some debate, some questions over, like, what does a fully formed Devin Vassell look like? And I think this is probably an attempt to try to figure that out uh, as much as anything. Like, let's get him with the ball in his hands. I think they put Chetty in the starting lineup because he is one of those. I mean, he just seems like a pop guy and just want to – you would be able to – confirm this but i just feel like they love him like both the they coaching do. staff and the team like both just love playing with like because he's just he just seems to you know be like right place right time guy all the time um and so he's gonna make the right play and i think that's why they they put him in there also a little bit extra shooting i didn't i don't know his numbers off the top of my head but he seems like one of the um at least one of the average shooters on the team which they i mean they, he's been a 40 percent three-point shooter until last night yeah <laughs> when like everyone missed everyone I mean, missed Except you know, that's for, the other thing. Like, it, yeah. Oh, no, I was, sorry. I was just gonna say, except for Vassell, uh, and I'm blanking right now. Um, but, uh, Doug McDermott. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they they need to start making shots, and um, I think they still want to go with this. Uh, what's Bruno call it? Tall ball defense. Um, <laughs> and so this this is a way to to keep to stay big on defense, even though you know it, they they looked fine last night on defense, but um. So it was surprising, you know, one thing, and actually, Matt, we can just get into it now, but um, you had sent an email that you got, um, and it says, my question is related to how much long the coaching staff is just going to let Wemby get touches. Well, hold on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We will oh, get to that. We will get to okay. that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to just talk about the, a little bit about sort of where at least I think, I'm not in Minnesota. So, yeah. or I wasn't in Minnesota, so I can't ask, I couldn't ask these questions. Um, but from just merely looking at the data, the numbers, as I have been for a couple of weeks now, it, would it be surprising to you, considering like the general success that Jetty Osman has had with this team so far, especially offensively, would it surprise you that he is like by far? Uh, that he possesses by far the worst plus minus in terms of on off stats of yeah. any regular spur on the team. That yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like anytime he's in the game, good things happen. Yeah. Um, but that's that's I guess that's good things relatively speaking to what the rest of the team has been doing. Which when you're on a 15 game losing streak, you know. right, right, right. But the issue has been like. I know that earlier in uh, during the preseason when I was sort of making the case of like when we were having the the fun, you know, Jetty versus Reggie Bullock uh, <laughs> takeoffs that like one of the things that Jetty had actually impressed me with over the last few years is like this sort of underrated defensive ability. Now, sure. uh, the offense from him has been it's been really good this year. But there has been a <laughs> definitive statement in the opposite direction uh, when you're talking about defense. I think he is still valuable as an on-ball defender, but the mm -hmm. off-ball stuff, woof. Like, so my 
sort of thought process when all of this happened was, okay, the Spurs have recognized, obviously, that he is a valuable contributor, especially uh, on the offensive end in particular. So let's see what happens when we put him in the starting lineup and we put him with a group of players that has been playing well defensively. And whatever you want to say about the Spurs defense right now, the starting groups have been okay. Like they've been outscoring their opponents. They've been playing solid, like middle of the pack to top 10 level defense. Just those groups, mind you, (laughs) just the starting groups, not the other groups. But my thought process was like, okay, let's get this guy. Let's see if my thought process was the Spurs are thinking, let's get this guy involved uh, on the offensive end, help a, a starting lineup that does struggle right now from an offensive standpoint, does okay defensively. Then on the, on the, uh, in terms of the bench unit, like let's see how including Jeremy uh, with that group helps them defensively, not to mention pairing him with Trey Jones. Uh, I, I think that from an objective standpoint, there is real reason to make the move that they did. Like it makes sense. And yeah. I, I do want to hear your thoughts on that before we get into a much more subjective conversation. So uh, Jetty in the starting lineup, covering up some defensive nastiness, bringing him on board to help the offense in the starting group seems to at least make some logical sense yeah no i i think my takeaway from last night was i would like to see more of this uh, and not like this really worked i would like to see more of it but just i am definitely open to this idea because i didn't feel like uh especially the start of the game i, I thought that was a pretty good start for the spurs especially mm-hmm. against a, a team as good defensively as minnesota's been um So, yeah, I'm definitely open to it. I think, um, you know, I've long been the proponent of if you're going to let Sohan run offense, um, I think it's there's just, to me, it makes more sense to let him do that with the second unit where there's a lot less pressure. I think having him share share on-ball duties with Trey uh, is also, again, a lot less pressure on him. I think we saw, and I think he said, you know, there were some days where it just kind of wrecked his confidence and other days were better than, than some, but I just think there's just less pressure with him having to do it with the second unit. And, um, you know, I, I agree with everything you said about Chetty and why he would benefit from why he would benefit from playing with the starters defensively and why the starters would benefit from having him out there offensively. I want to, when I said I wanted to go further into this, uh, subjectively, I, uh, I had specifically in mind Jeremy Sohan's confidence and why I sort of question, even though it makes logical sense, I question the idea of putting him on the bench. Um, like a, a dude who has worked his ass off this season through very uncomfortable situations. And, and I'm talking about like not only running the show offensively or learning to run the show or trying to run the show offensively, but because of the sort of the nature of the fact that he's playing point guard, he's having Mm -hmm. to guard guards a lot more this season. His Mm -hmm. uh, defensive mileage covered on a game to game basis has jumped by quite a bit. Um, 
nothing like crazy. He's not going from like one mile per game covered defensively to two miles, but he's added at least like a tenth or a quarter of a mile to his uh, movement on a game to game basis. Like he's put a lot into this and I don't think they're going to move him to the bench if they don't believe he can handle it. Um, right. He can like, he's a, he's a really smart guy, but this is a dude who has been putting in a lot of work this year. And there's almost this, it's, it's like inevitable for any human being to feel like, Hey, we're, we're moving you to the bench, but don't take offense to it. It's, it's inevitable. It's human nature to at least take a little bit of a hit there. Like just from a confidence standpoint. And he didn't look great last night. Like he didn't look like he was, I I, I don't want to, I don't want to dig too deep into it because he had plenty of chances to make some plays that just didn't fall or, 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 uh, you know, create shot opportunities or connect on a few attempts that just didn't fall. It could have looked a lot better than it did last night, but uh, Tom Orsborne of the San Antonio Express News has written, basically, and tweeted throughout last night and today that Sohan seemed a little bit down, <laughs> like he seemed a little bit hurt, like he his confidence didn't look great. And I, I trust Tom's reporting. He's good at this, and it's something that I would be at least a little, I, 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 I'm watching. I'll, I'll put it that way. I'm, I'm at least watching what he looks like from a confidence standpoint, because that's something he's never really struggled with, but he's never really been put in a position where he's coming off the bench, where he's been, you know, pop has opted for someone else over him from day one. He's been the, you know, a starter. He's been one of the guys so I'm curious to see how that pans out. Yeah, hopefully the connectivity of this team, like just the, first of all, the roster, um, you know, helps keep all of these guys um, as up as they can be during this losing streak and during all these changes. Hopefully, um, I think I saw the other day, him and Trey Jones were talking about how they do have a good friendship. They have a good partnership. So hopefully, you know. They do. Yeah. That is, this is a thing that now Trey can absolutely relate with him with. Like Trey didn't do anything wrong last year. Um and Trey came off the bench, and now Trey's coming off the bench. And again, that I don't think that's through any fault of Trey's efforts. Maybe a little bit to do with the things that Trey does well and doesn't do well. Uh, more specifically, the things he doesn't do well. Um, but um, and I don't think it has. Um, and again, I don't think Trey coming off the bench has much to do with how the Spurs view Trey, because I think the Spurs love having Trey on the team. Um, so hopefully, that's something you know, like you just always want to have someone you can lean on um, who can see like your point of view and, and relate to where you're coming from. Also having Manu around, hopefully like yeah. helps, you know, like I, I don't know that Manu reaches out to guys to talk to them about this stuff, but that's certainly like another guy that could sit down with him and be like, listen, you're still a valuable member of this team. Like, and you're going to get yanked around from starting lineup to bench and, you just go, and he seems, Sohan really does seem like a guy who adapts to what's asked of him. Um, I think that's, um, for all the various critiques of his game that I've had, I think I've always appreciated just like, he just seems like, like you can tell him he's going to become the starting center and he'll just be like, all right, 
like I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, Matt, is so, and again, this is a, a one game sample size, but he played 22 minutes last night. Um, and he averages, hang on, let me get 28 minutes, almost 29 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if you're going to, I think he, I don't think his minutes should change or how much, how much he's used. I just, I just always thought maybe he should be used a little different. Um, but hopefully this isn't like, you know, he should still be a key part of the rotation. And so, and I think you're right. Last, last night he seemed to fade for whatever the reason was. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I think, you know, when you bring up a guy like Mono Ginobili being in the building, he's there every day. Um, one of the things the players talk about when it comes to like leaning on people is the fact that they have these uh, former players in the building, like people who have done this before people who have been there before. So I don't really worry necessarily if, if I'm the Spurs about that kind of stuff, because they have this infrastructure in place. They have people around uh, all these young guys who can, at least if, if they need some sort of soothing, they're around. Like they have mm-hmm. players who have been there. Um, so I'm not necessarily concerned about Sohan from that perspective. But uh, I, I, I do I do find it at least a little bit interesting. Uh, if you're they're pairing him with Trey Jones. He's not going to have, if he's coming off the bench long-term, we don't know if that's going to be the case, by the way, like this could be a a small thing. This could be a blip. Uh, We don't know, but if you're bringing him off the bench along with Trey Jones, like you're essentially, I won't say like punting on the point. Sohan thing, but you're at least curbing it quite a bit. And, and that's fine. Like, Jeremy Sohan and Trey Jones have been really good together on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, by the way, I, I brought up the the Jetty stuff earlier. Like, the other element in this is that Jeremy and Trey have been really good when they're on the court together. So that makes sense, too. Uh, I, I just think it's a really interesting thing to watch unfold. I don't doubt at all the relationship that Sohan has with pop with the rest of the coaching staff. They love him. They genuinely love him. They uh, have huge expectations for him going forward in the future. I don't believe that this is some sort of permanent thing. I think that Jeremy Sohan is going to be a, a starting player in the NBA over the long haul in some capacity, whatever that might be. I'm not sure the Spurs are obviously still a work in progress, but I I feel like at the 20 game mark, like I said, we're starting to see some changes. We're starting to see some rotational differences uh, with, with the way that the coaching staff is handling things. And there is at least this appearance of like, we need to start, we need to figure out ways to start winning games. I know that a whole bunch of people are, you know, concerned over the idea that, the Spurs are tanking again. They're not. They're tr- they're trying to win games. Uh, they have like 
in terms of like their regulars, they're among the tops in the league in terms of most minutes played by starters, by regular rotation players, like, or, or just in general, guys not missing games. So there is an effort to fix things. And I think we're going to start seeing more of that going forward. I don't think this is like the end of any sort of corrections or adjustments or whatever. I think they're only just going to be, I think they're only just getting started at this point. So it's going to be fun to watch. I don't, I, I, I didn't see this coming and I don't really know what's coming next. Uh, I don't know. Someone, someone actually posed this and we can start getting to mailbag questions in a second, but someone actually did pose like, and I answered it in my, uh, mailbag at matthewtynan.substack.com, the corporate knowledge newsletter, uh, talking about adjustments, like what is going to come out, you know, what is going to come from here. And the first thing I said was getting Devin, Devin Bissell back in the starting lineup. And then from there, I'm not really totally sure. Like, uh, is there anything in your mind? Like when you, I don't, did Charles Bassey even play last night? I'm not sure he did. So uh, in your mind, like when you think about the idea of changes and you incorporate seeing Jetty come in for Jeremy Sohan, I mentioned maybe some Victor Wembanyama at the five in place uh, 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 with Trey Jones replacing Zach Collins in the rotation. So the main starting four or, or main starting five, except swap Jones for Collins. I thought we might see some of that. We didn't see it at all last night. I thought maybe even with Sohan coming off the bench, it would open up that avenue toward that type of uh, rotation change. But is there anything else off the top of your head that, you would find interesting or at least you're curious about? Uh, to, to answer your question about Bassett, he did not play last night. He was a uh, DNP coach's decision. Um, I would like to see a little bit more uh, Wemby at the five situationally. I don't think they should shoehorn it uh, by any means because that's just I, – I, I am of the belief that he's just not ready to be – <laughs> the the sole big guy um he will get absolutely like not like his body will get tossed around like he he will get banged up i think pretty quickly if that happens guys will target him to bang him up pretty quickly i think um so aside from his overconfidence last night and just a prolonged shooting slump i've actually been pretty happy with the way zach collins has played this year yeah um, again maybe 20 shot attempts when rudy gobert's your primary defender <laughs> is a bad idea um but um you know, Zach Collins, bet on yourself, just not when Rudy Gobert's in the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the line the, of fire. the Zach Collins thing right now, man. It, it's 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 rough because the things he does well mm-hmm. are really important to this team right now. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's shooting twenty five percent from three, like. And, and and furthermore, if you just ask him to stop shooting threes, it takes away from the threat he poses. Yes. It's it's just he has to start hitting these shots, man. Yeah. He has to. Because he's doing all the other stuff pretty damn well. Yeah. Um 
I, I even forget as I as we're about to transition into mailbag questions, but like that is such a big element of what's ailing the Spurs right now is not just Zach Collins, but like other guys who are typically good three point shooters not making threes. And you saw last night um, when you go whatever it was nine of thirty seven, I believe from three. Yeah. You can't win that game against the Timberwolves, against a defense like that. You only committed 11 turnovers. That's You You played a really good game. But you they, only hit they, 24%, whatever it is, 24% of your three-point attempts. 37% from the field, 22% from three, and they were even missing free throws uncharacteristically. Yeah. They were 66% from the free throw line. So, yeah, you're right. Like it was just a, That was just a really terrible offensive game last night. Um, look, the Timberwolves weren't, but like, they were generating looks like that's it, like, uh, that's the whole thing with this team right now. It's like, I, I, I don't, when I say that they're like, or when we have this conversation about like, they're terrible offensively, well, they haven't been like, they've been creating looks like that's what you want. Um, and they just couldn't convert. I don't know. Like it, it's, it sounds trite. It sounds lazy, but sometimes you just, it's make or miss, man. Mm. Sometimes it's make or miss. And I interrupted you. You had you had more to say. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it wasn't like the Timberwolves uh shot lights out. They were forty one percent, thirty percent from three. They did make most of their free throws. Um, but so wasn't like a wasn't a bad game last night. Um I also I also was- like appreciated the like so they guarded I I felt at least they guarded Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards well. The, yeah. the the game plan was clearly to limit those guys. And if Nikhil Alexander Walker, who's a 32 or 33% three-point shooter, gets six open looks from three, which he did, by the way, and was one of six, you live with that. Sure. But absolutely. It's like it, but it's the Mike Conley shots. It's the Mike yeah. Conley shots. We, I think he went like four of ten from three, something like that. He's a yep. really good three-point shooter, especially yep. when he's open. And it's the game plan, and this has kind of been the the same story on a regular basis, uh, just sort of a different version every night. They do X and Y well, but fail at Z. Like they they can't put all of the components of their game plan together, right. the full game together. It's just like one little thing has been left out and it kills them. And we saw it again last night. But And like when they do X and Y well, it's not well enough to cover up for Z. You know, right. so that's the other thing. It's not like it's, you know, it's like there are plenty of bad defenses that are their offense is just so overwhelming. We, we started this pod talking a lot about the Pacers um, and even the Bucks, uh this this year are pretty bad on defense, but their offense is just so overwhelming. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The Spurs do not have that luxury at the moment. Right. I, I feel like we could go on about this for a long time. Um, let's take a break and get to mailbag questions and save the listeners' uh, bandwidth, save their ears. We've got more to talk about. Uh, we'll see you all in a second. All right, we're back, and we've got some mailbag questions. Trevor, I actually interrupted you 
much earlier in the podcast. Uh, you wanted yes. to bring up a, a question that was presented by uh, one of the listeners. Yes. So this is from Andrew Lyons. And I actually had this thought while I was watching the game last night, because there was one point where Zach Collins was six of 20 from the field. And this is not a, uh, I'm not trying to dunk on Zach Collins. Um, but Wembenyama was three of 10 from the field at that point. And he got a few more shots up uh, towards the end of the game. But here was the question. Uh, my question was related to how much longer the coaching staff is just going to let Wemby get offensive touches in the flow of the offense before more aggressively trying to get him shots at his most advantageous spots. We are almost a quarter of the way through the season, but it seems like they are still prioritizing a wait-and-see approach. I realize that they don't want the offense to come to a screeching halt and that the days of posting up Timmy clearing out and letting him go to work are long gone, but when I see Victor regularly posting up a six-foot dude calling for the ball, and never getting a touch during the possession while a teammate hoists a contested three. I can't help but wonder what's up with that. It happens a lot more than I would expect. Andrew Lyons. Thank you, Andrew. Do you want me to go? Or do you want to go? I feel like you have a momentum right now. Well, so I feel like that was, I mean, that's probably, um, that has definitely happened where he's been calling for the ball and a teammate just doesn't see it or they are just looking to ping pong it around the perimeter because they, they do that. They want to keep the ball moving. And I think Mm -hmm. part of, I don't think it's like, I don't think anybody's like looking off Wimby. Um, uh, That would just be dumb, but I think it's just all (laughs) part of the, we want the, we want the ball to keep moving. Like, so they're just next, next pass, next pass, next pass. And sometimes they just miss it when a defender there, there's a switch that they weren't anticipating or Wimby gets in a position where they weren't, they weren't, you know, they're still learning what to do with Wemby, I think. Uh, the coaching yeah. staff is still learning what to do with him, and I think his teammates are still learning what to do with him. Having said that, I do wish they would, and maybe they are, I, I'm not in the huddles. It does It does feel like I wish they were drawing up some more stuff. Like, man, he seems automatic from, like, you just get him, like, a little turnaround jumper from 15. He just seems automatic on that. I feel like the, and maybe teams are just adapting, but the, the leak outs and him getting, you know, getting position early and just getting the easy baskets on uh, fast breaks and even like semi-transition. We just haven't seen those as much anymore, though I do feel like Wemby, uh, last night aside, I thought had been playing a lot better um, and a lot more efficiently uh, probably since, I don't know, maybe that Oklahoma City game, which I feel like is the, it's that's a, that's a benchmark for you. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I, I am with you, Andrew. I do wish that we would um, we would see more, I don't want to say force feeding, but aggressively trying to get Wemby the ball in some preferred spots. But I also think Wemby and the Spurs are still trying to figure out Wemby's preferred spots on an NBA court. I think, uh, and I don't even think, I, I know that slowly but surely they are. And we're starting to see some changes, uh, despite despite what it might look like. We're starting to see some changes. We're seeing fewer of the sort of uh, long range post ups, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. He, he, he's whenever he does get the ball uh, in the post, it's quite often on seals. Uh, it's quite often near the basket. It's much less often. 12 feet from the basket, whatever. He it had might a couple be. of those um, where he spins baseline 
and then he does like the reverse layup because his arms are uh go go gadget arms exactly and he he just missed a couple of those uh last night like he got had one two blocked those. got one blocked because he let got one was, blocked yeah and then one just like I, I can't remember if he just front front rimmed it or it just it just rolled out i can't remember but he i was just like oh because that that play does seem like it's it's there uh a decent amount when he needs it to be there. So well, I, I, I actually think that you bringing that up raises a point that I was about to make is that like, there is a, <laughs> I understand this want and this longing to get Victor Wembanyama the basketball in, in good spots and, you know, uh, whether it's in empty side pick and rolls or if it's like face-ups from the elbow, which by the way is where I think his game is eventually going to be mm -hmm. like where he's going to live most in the future just yeah. because of his all-around skill set. Yeah. Um, like some sort of hybrid between Dirk and Jokic, uh, whether or not he ever, you know, develops the expertise that either of those guys have or had uh remains to be seen but just given what he's good at that uh mid post face up is going to be lethal at some point but we haven't seen an efficiency yet from him in any spot on the court outside of being right at the rim that sort of necessitates or at least theoretically necessitates getting him the ball and running plays specifically for him, especially given the state of the Spurs roster. We see even in the flow of the offense without running specific actions and mm -hmm. the Spurs, by the way, with such a young team are not big on that. They want guys to move quickly. They don't want right. to slow the pace down and run these specific actions because in their minds, it bogs things down. It complicates things for players who aren't used, totally used to playing at this level yet. And, uh, or at least I shouldn't say not used to playing at this level yet. I should say they're not, <laughs> they're not good at playing at this level yet. Mm -hmm. uh, execution comes with time. So their whole thing is let's get pace. Let's move the ball. Let's give these guys opportunities to get good looks early in the offense, whatever it might be. Um, but to me, if you're asking about why aren't you running plays for this guy on a regular basis, it's because, like, do people really have confidence in the fact that he's going to be able to connect on a lot of them? Outside, like, again, outside of the rim area. Um, it's, it, he just hasn't displayed the sort of shooting efficiency yet. Well, by the way, you're right. Like, the mid-range stuff, like, he it already seems deadly uh, when he gets a good look in there. But, right. but teams, even when the Spurs aren't running specific actions for him, teams are loading up against him. Sure. He's He's got a crowd around him every single time he touches the ball. So there's a lot of, okay, we can run plays for him, but what good is it going to do <laughs> if like no one else yeah. around him is making them is making defenses pay. And at, but 
at the same time, we have seen a lot of the stuff where, where he's like sealing at the rim, where mm-hmm. he's getting those looks. And I, recently, talk. I think it was Zach Collins who said this. Um, they feel like they're hitting him when he should be hit on a regular basis. And then they go look at the film and they're like, oh, crap. There's four, five, six chances that they had in yep. semi transition in transition uh there there was a a couple of there were a couple of plays last night where he had an opportunity to sort of step in and strong seal against an interior defender and then a three and a, and a, a perimeter shooter took a three that was a little bit contested and you see all of these different avenues where you're going to be able to get him the ball more eventually and without question they're missing them and I just, at this point, I'm like, they're go- they see these things. They know, they know that they exist. And I just sort of trust, given the coaching staff and the fact that I know that they run them through film a yeah. lot, uh, that they're going to see these things. I just, you, I hate to continue to bring up the patience thing, but eventually they're going to get it. And if they don't get it, they're going to be out. Like, that's kind of yeah. what it boils down to at this point. Right now, it is, it is, it is a test for every single person on this roster, not yeah. named Victor Wimbanyama, not named Devin Vassell, not named Jeremy Sohan and Keldon Johnson. I, I will say, uh, I, 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 as, as frustrated as I can get, as I'm watching it, uh, I agree with you. Like, I just think like he's such an anomaly. Uh, Victor is that like, it just takes time. It, it really does just take time to get used to what he is and where he can do the most damage. Um, especially when I think there is also a part of Victor who, as much as he understands, like I am hyper efficient near the basket. He also feels like Victor also feels like I can be hyper efficient from the mid range. I can be hyper efficient from three if I get the opportunities. And so it's not, um, and and he, I think in time he is going to be hyper efficient from all of those places, yeah, yeah. Um, especially for for his role and for his size. But he's not uh, right now. <laughs> but he's not. No, you're right. But I also I do think that there was some stretches last night where he's on the court and I you know it's not like he's parked in the corner or whatever, but it's like um, the ball doesn't even come to his side of the court. And there's like stretches, and it's almost like you just wish that there was somebody. Um, and I don't think that person totally exists on the roster and it's also not totally how the Spurs play but I just wish there was like somebody who was like man Victor hasn't touched the ball in a couple minutes like we need Mm -hmm. to like we need to like get him the ball in a spot where he can like do something um but again I it's really funny like Wembenyama is like the one thing I'm actually very perfectly willing to be patient with it's just like the defense sucking and (laughs) and other guys I'm just like uh no, I, I, I understand it, and um, I get why anybody would be tired of this particular conversation. Yeah. But I at least think that like it's still just super relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. But yeah, it's exhausting, dear listener. I understand. It's <laughs> exhausting. Um, I am very tired. I'm very tired of talking about it. Um, but 
this is what's going on. This is sort of the cards that this team is dealt right now. Uh, but I don't know. Let's let's we're we're going way too long on a lot of this stuff. So I have no idea if I'm going to be able to get to all. I don't think we're going to be able to get to the rest of like all of these mailbag questions. Um, but I did want to hit this one. God, none of this stuff is easy. Okay. <laughs> like we didn't get a chance to talk about this prior to Thanksgiving. Um, I had a lot going on. We haven't had a podcast since then. Um, been busy. We're back in the flow now, but this question, this question slash comment from Corey Platon. I hope that I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Uh, please let me know, Corey. All right. I feel bad for even broaching this, but I can't stop thinking about it. On a recent Spurs Insider Pod, the Express News guys, with the Express News guys, they discussed Pop telling the crowd to stop booing Kawhi. They also briefly made a comment to the effect of, quote, I think Pop expected the team to be better than they are. It's just so perplexing. They've lost 14 straight. Now they've lost 15 straight. But when he wrote this, it was 14 straight. I didn't expect them to be good, but I kind of thought they'd win a game every six to eight games or so. <laughs> I think that's fair, Corey. Fair. The defense is bad, despite what on paper seems like a good, it seems like good individual defenders. They also make loads of mental mistakes and consistently come out flat in third quarters. I get the team is young, but I guess what I'm wondering, is there a point where we need to start thinking about coaching? We're many years into the defense being bad. This season feels off, and Pop grabbing the PA mic was bizarre. I love Pop, but are we seeing signs that maybe he shouldn't be the coach much longer past this season? I don't have anything specific to point beyond the booing incident, but things just feel weird. Trevor, do things feel weird? Um, well, I, the mic thing was weird. I actually think, um, um, Mark Stein wrote, um, the second best Substack in Texas. Mark Stein wrote mm -hmm. that, um, he thought that pop did that because there is this guilt within pop about how the co-op, like he thinks that there was, you know, on, on his part and the organization's part and how the Kawhi thing went down. He, he, there's, there is guilt there. And so that was a manifestation uh, the mic thing was like a manifestation of that. And I'm sure there was like some frustrations about the season and everything like that too. Um, but I actually buy Stein's explanation uh, just in the, like I could see pop being like, uh, this was not completely this guy's fault. You guys really need to stop this. Like it's enough, enough is enough, enough time has passed. And I do think it is like a pop trying to mend fences with Kawhi. Um, even though I, it, from everything I've heard, um, Kawhi and Pop are fine. I'm sure there's some Kawhi's camp, uh, Kawhi's family and Pop, maybe not as much. Kawhi's camp and the Spurs front office, maybe not as much, but uh, be that as it may. Um, I don't really think that, I don't know, Matt. I don't I don't think coaching's been, like, I don't think the coaching's been the problem as much. I mean, first of all, this team is young. Um, I think we have... Um, I think saying there's a bunch of good individual defenders on here is probably um, uh, over 
um, overestimating uh, everyone's defensive abilities. I think I don't think Devin's been a very good defender the last couple of years, and part of that has to has to do with injuries, and part of it has to do with increased offensive workload. Um, I think Sohan is obviously going to be a good defender. He's still very young, so that absolutely matters. And I think maybe we've seen with this whole point guard process is maybe um, he's not um, like. <laughs> the the small jitterbug point guards like he should not be guarding them and so you just kind of have to reimagine him maybe as like this amazing help defender who can also really lock down guys who are uh you know bigger bigger guards and wings so that the two through four positions i don't Keldon's fine um Is but he's better? not a stopper by any means you know like i just think like um we can say like yeah those are a bunch of good defenders but it's like i don't know like i don't like I think they can. They haven't. They haven't it. proven it. Yes. Like, yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It. Like, I, yeah. I, I agree, Corey, that they there is the bones of a good defense here, but um, these just guys haven't proven it yet. So, um, I don't. Nothing feels weird to me except for the Mike thing. But I also just think that had way more to do with like a Pop and Kawhi relationship and a Spurs and Kawhi relationship than anything having to do with how this season has played out. Yeah, I'll I'll hit on the coaching thing really quickly. Um, I I have a hard time sort of criticizing what's happening from an X's and O's perspective, from a schem a schematic perspective, when like so much of this season has been killed by awful turnovers, like careless, mm -hmm. just throwing the ball away. Like there's no. Yes, there's coaching involved in that, but there's nothing there there aren't like drills that you can go that, that you can go through to yes. uh to prevent you from uh giving just terrible passes away. Uh there isn't the Spurs have been generating good looks from the three-point line like in the top third of of teams in terms of wide open uh shots generated from the perimeter per game. This is according to uh, second spectrum tracking. They're they're getting good looks. They're just making them at a bottom third percentage. So, like, what are we what are we looking at here? Okay, uh, you want to generate good looks at the basket, uh, good good shot attempts. They're doing that. It's that hasn't been the problem. They're just missing them. And when they're turning the ball over, like. I mean, they're they're one of the worst in the league when it comes to turnover rate. But I don't know how many per game are completely avoidable and basically all on um, young players making mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like young people making mistakes, especially in particular, like when you talk about the games that uh, like Jeremy Sohan has, like the bad games that he has. It's a guy learning a completely new position, a 20-year-old yeah. learning a completely new position. I don't know what the expectation is, uh, but I just, in general, <laughs> I, I don't think coaching is the problem. Um, I, yeah. also, I also want to say real quick, like, it would be different if, it would be different if Pop had said anything other than what he said prior to the season or, uh, you know, in the last, season or two in terms of like when he came out and said, my goal is to have these guys ready for 
when they're when it's time to compete for a title that the next coach has a not a finished product obviously but a product that's ready like he's already he's said these things and mm-hmm. i in and in talking with players i understand that they are starting from square one so when you have these conversations about expectations it's a lot sort it's a lot easier to look at the situation and say like we know this team isn't ready and also there is a very good chance and i don't know what the percentage i'd put on it is but by the time this team is ready to actual like actually actually compete going forward and get into the playoffs and mold game plans that are specific to opponents actions and uh, specific to taking away certain players tendencies that there's going to be a different coach in the room at that point pop is at this at, right now laying sort of the groundwork for a 19 year old and a 20 year old and another 20 year old and another 20 year old and a 23 year old and a 24 year old and a 25 year old uh so uh, at this point, I just I don't worry about the coaching. Pop still seems like he's like energetic and with it and is into this. So until, and still until seems start, to have the locker room, and he and he has the locker room, man. I'm I'm just not I'm not concerned about that stuff at this point. But I yeah. and okay, hold on. Before I get to the mic thing, you had something to say about this situation that I just brought up. I, I was just going to say, like, I don't question the, the, um, you know, overall the coaching or anything like that. I think we're, you know, we're an hour into this, so we could save it. But I just think at some point, um, maybe there's a conversation to be had about roster construction and relying on nine guys who are 21 and under or whatever, you know, like, I, I think that's I think the bigger that's conversation. A, I think that's a conversation to be had maybe closer to the trade deadline when I think the Spurs have a better idea of who's worth sticking with the next couple of years and, and who's maybe not. Um, but yeah, I, it's just hard to, it's just hard to like pin this on pop when, um, you know, I, I think I understand it's 15, it's a 15 game losing streak. We all want them to be better, but I don't know. I, coaching, coaching has not been the, the issue to me personally. Yeah. Well, you know, you already know that I have a, a, a trade proposal in the chamber. Yes. Yeah. No, well, I, I think, but Look, we we can get is... to, we can get to that later. But but yeah. you already know you already know. Yeah. Um. I I just enough enough has been said about the pop microphone incident and chastising the fans. And as much as I want to make fun of a grown adults who boo, um, it is your inalienable right to do so. Mm-hmm. And as long as you are not being totally inappropriate or throwing things on the court uh it, like i said it's your right and i don't think pop should have done that and i'm not here to relitigate like should he have done that should he have not done that because i feel like pretty decidedly like the answer to that question is he shouldn't have done that i just oh, yeah, strongly yeah. strongly feel that way my yeah. question was always why why now like why all these years later the the booing has been going on for as long as Kawhi has 
ever since he left San Antonio. I guess like I look at it and think like I I know and you you talked about this earlier like Kawhi and Pop have a good relationship. They do. Um they're Pop cares about Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't listen to the pod but I guess the San Antonio Express news guys brought up this idea that he's that the losing is getting to him that he didn't expect this. And there was another mailbag question that surrounded this. We can't get to all these. I'm I'm really sorry. I thought we'd have time to, but uh here we are. But um the the at the beginning of the season when Greg Popovich said that he thought winning was the next step that these guys needed to take uh to further their development. He meant that. Uh he was asked recently if the goal was still was still to win. And it didn't seem like and in his answer he wasn't like distraught or like or seemingly like broken or anything like that but you could tell in his response when he said like yes the the goal is still to win that he seemed sincere and he seemed disappointed in the fact that their record was and is what it is i i feel like there's almost like this confluence of events that hit him like this is really hard i'm tired of losing i'm tired of fans booing Kawhi because i genuinely care about the guy and Mm -hmm. it almost it's like it just like bubbled to the surface and at 74 years old he's like i don't give a shit anymore (laughs) i'm gonna say this 100 um i don't think it's like anything more than that but I do sort of look at it and think to myself, like, man, Pop, y- 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 there is sort of an arrogance in what he did. Like, like he actually has that sort of, I don't want to call it like control, but influence over a fan base. And it felt to me like he was sort of pushed to a precipice and it sent him there. That That was just my read on it. I, he, he, he was, there were follow-ups about whether or not he regretted his actions. He said he didn't, he kind of doubled down on the idea. And I firmly believe that he believes in what he said. He doesn't think Kawhi should be booed, but I don't know, man, there's sort of a, a, a perspective there that I think is influenced by a number of different factors that he doesn't want to consider and yeah. whatever, man, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I don't think that he has any, uh, thinks any differently of the Spurs fan base. I don't think anything has changed in that capacity. I just think he's right. a guy that was just sort of pushed to the edge and yep. reacted in a way that maybe a lot of people would have if if they felt the same way. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm, no notes. <laughs> no notes. Okay. All right. But he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't no, have done I it. I'm with you. Yeah. He shouldn't have done it. Um. All right. You know what? I'm sorry to the people uh, that didn't have their questions read. We're going to, we're going to have another podcast soon. Like I said, we're back in a normal flow. So I think some of these can be uh, reused or, or not even, not even reused because we didn't use them. Um, But we'll, we'll get back to a lot of this stuff. Uh, It's we've been talking long enough, Trevor, I know you need to get going, but I appreciate you coming on 
and we'll have uh, to uh we'll have to also say this is tease for the next pod whether it's me or bruno on we'll have to say bruno's trivia for the next oh. pod as well oh crap do you want to do that real quick or do you have time uh yeah we can do it yeah, I got, okay I got, all right I got all right minutes. okay all right this 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 might be um this might be ugly the bruno no, passos taco taco trivia question just it, it, i can't exp- i cannot begin to explain the chaos of the emails that bruno sent us just just unbelievable unbelievably disorganized all sorts of letters trying to distract us trying to you know not get us to read this stuff but just chaos i i had to sift through it i accidentally saw the top 2 answers to one of the questions <laughs> but that's bruno's fault um by virtue of the way he formatted these things but i already knew them so i can at least say that i already knew them but i don't know the answers to the other ones so we have trivia questions submitted by bruno passos and i will i will read them now uh trevor you can go first okay hi guys Please list the five Spurs with highest career-high scoring marks in a game in order. Then, please list the three Spurs with the most assists in a game in order. And I am just assuming, again, that that's career-high, not not this year, career-high. Yes, high. yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so... Start uh, with the scoring. Say, Start with the scoring. Yeah, I'll go David Robinson, George Gervin. Um... Uh, Lamarcus. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Current, current Spurs. Current, uh, current Spurs, current Spurs. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I felt pretty good about those first three answers. Yeah, those were good answers. Um. Okay. Career high scoring marks in a game in order. Uh, I think. Well, Wembenyama, Victor Wembenyama, Devonte Graham probably had some scorchers in there somewhere. Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. I, I I need to give my answer so I can't look yet. <laughs> uh, but what I do know, because I said I just saw I saw the top two. Uh, you had the top two right, just in the wrong order. <laughs> Devonte Graham had a forty point game. Uh, knew that. Don't remember exactly when it was, but I. Remember seeing it at some point. Devontae Graham, number one scorer. Uh, Victor Wembanyama with the 38 points is the second highest. And here's where I need to think. <laughs> or, or I have been thinking. Um, Keldon has to be number three. I think he had like, the, like I think his career high is like mid-30s somewhere, 35 or 36, mm-hmm. something like that. Jeremy Sohan had 33 the other night. That was a career high for him. And then, I don't know when, but I am positive that Doug McDermott had a plus 30 game at some point. And I know, and if I'm going by that standard, I know it's not Devin Vassell because he's been 29 points as a career high, like five different times in his career. Um, So I know the first two, Devontae Graham, 40, Victor Wembenyama, 38. 
And then from there, I think it's Keldon, Sohan, and then McDermott. Okay. Uh, for the assist, I will again say Devontae Graham. Uh, I will say Trey Jones, and I will say Jeremy Sohan in that order. Ooh. Devontae Graham? Okay. Way too much dead air here. Okay, I'm just going to go. Uh, Trey Jones first. Uh, Devontae second, just by, like, default. Mm-hmm. And then... And then Sohan, third. I, I think his career high is like nine, but I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Trey Jones first, Devontae Graham second, Jeremy Sohan third. Okay, I pulled up the answers. Okay. You you said most points you'd seen. Devontae Graham 40, Wemby 38, Keldon has 36. Jeremy Sohan, 33, Doug McDermott, 31. So I think, did you nail that? I right nailed on? that. Yeah, I nailed yeah. that. Okay, nice. Well done. <laughs> um, and, and he added, in case you're curious, the 29ers, Den Vassell, Zach Collins, and Chetty Osmond have all scored 29 points. Okay. Mamu has scored 28 points. He's. I, I want to say that was the last game that he played the the year before he arrived in San Antonio. The Bucks like, sat everyone, yep. and he played big minutes for the Bucks, and he scored a whole bunch of points. I'm guessing that was the game. Uh, most assists in the game. Devontae Graham first, 15 mm. assists. Trey Jones second, 13. Are you ready for third place? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. So it's not it's not Sohan? It's not Jeremy okay, Sohan. Okay, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, nope, just go. Just go. Chetty Osman with 12. Really? Yep. Wow. And then it's Jeremy with nine and Devin Vassell with eight. You know what? There was some point Jetty last night that was interesting. Like, he was keeping the ball moving. Like, the pace was good. I don't know. There was, there were, there, like I said, logically speaking, objectively speaking, there were, were there were pretty good reasons to make that swap. Oh, Jetty. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in for a, for a few games at least. Wait, what did you, what were your, uh, who are your top three assist guys? You said Devontae. Uh, you got Devontae. I said and Devontae, Trey, Trey uh, so on. Oh, okay. So we had the same people just in different order. All right. Well, yes. Jetty. All right. Well, thank you, Bruno. Just get it together, man. Get like get it together with the emails. Jeez. All right. That's been a, more than enough from us today. Uh Trevor, do you have any parting thoughts for the people? Um I'm rooting for the small markets in the mid tournament. So Ooh, okay. I guess that's everyone but the Lakers. Yeah, I guess it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll but... be fine with three out of four outcomes. <laughs> Appreciate y'all listening. Please, I never say this, uh, please rate, review, and, and subscribe, all that stuff. It, it definitely helps us whenever uh, people do that. And I appreciate very much the feedback that we've gotten so far. We're trying to improve on a weekly basis. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Trevor? Have patience. Much like, much like with the Spurs, have patience with us.
That's absolutely right. And if you want to read more about the Spurs, I am at, uh, you can find my stuff at the Corporate Knowledge Newsletter, matthewtynan.substack.com. It's been a pleasure, Trevor. Until Same. next time, uh, let's, uh, for for all of our sanity, let's hope that this losing streak ends very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Dive right in, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let the rhythm.